Welcome to The Next Great Thing. I'm Andrew Greenstein, CEO of SF AppWorks. Learning doesn't stop when you graduate high school or college. It's a lifelong process. We learn new skills to advance in our careers and to improve our lives. Thanks to the internet, learning is becoming more ubiquitous, something that anyone, anywhere can access. That could help level the playing field, giving more people equal access to life-changing opportunities. My guest today is working to improve and expand the experience we have with online learning. Shravan Goli is the Chief Product Officer and Head of Consumer Revenue at Coursera. Coursera is one of the largest online learning platforms, with more than 100 million registered learners and partnerships with hundreds of leading universities, businesses, and governments. Before Coursera, Shravan held roles as President and CEO of Dictionary.com and President of Dice, a tech job marketplace. He's here to teach us about the current state and future of online learning. Shravan, I'm so happy to be with you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited about sharing our learnings, especially as you kind of put it very, very well together. Learning doesn't stop when you graduate. Learning is something that you have to continuously embrace. Let's jump into it. I just gave a brief overview of Coursera, but, but tell us more about it. What is Coursera? How do you fit into the current online learning landscape as you see it and as others see it? Let me start with sort of a little bit of the online learning landscape. You know, especially when you think about the macroeconomic challenges and the recessionary fears in the backdrop, digital transformation and automation continue to reshape the future of education work. For me, I think these forces have placed an even greater emphasis on the need for technology to address the size and ever-evolving nature of the global skills gap. To me, I think there are two key things. One is there is a growing need to help employees gain proficiency in digital and human skills. World Economic Forum put together a report on future of jobs, and they talk about 85 million jobs are going to get displaced, and 40% of the core skills will change by 2025. Number two is the point you made earlier, which is the need for a more equitable and sustainable workforce model. Microsoft put out a data recently, which they talk about 100 million new digital jobs are projected to emerge in the next five years. So when you combine these two trends, which is the online learning and the idea around sustainable remote workforce model is emerging, I think it presents a tremendous opportunity for anyone who is in this space, you know, including Coursera, to really enable sort of this learning uh, for anyone anywhere in the world, but also being able to create equitable job opportunities around the world. That's a great overview. What are you learning about how people learn? When I think about who is coming to Coursera, you know, we, over these 100 million learners, we segment them into three main buckets. We call them starters, switchers, and advancers. So a starter is someone who is in, in college today, and they're graduating, and they, they need to get their first job. Right? So they're just getting into the world of jobs. Switchers are people or like adult learners who are kind of in the world working on in some way or shape or the other, right? So think of it as retail industry or services industries. These are the folks that are looking at us like, hey, you know, they're emerging digital jobs. It's a better pay, better lifestyle. I can work remote. I want to go after those. And then advancers are like, you know, maybe they're already in the field and they're trying to get into sort of more senior advanced roles. And so today, you know, over the course of the last three, four years, we've been steadily increasing the portfolio of what we call as entry-level professional certificates. And each of these certificates is assigned to a specific job role. So, you know, IT support or data analyst or cloud, you know, cybersecurity associate, et cetera. 
what's happening, what we're seeing is there's a lot of demand from these starters and switchers. And Coursera is attracting a lot more of these professionals to come and consume these certificates. But at the same time, they need to build the proof that they can actually do these jobs. So we're investing heavily in hands-on learning. Uh, we've introduced a product called Guided Projects a couple of years ago. There are 3,300 of them. They teach essential software tools and skills without ever needing to download any software. So for example, it calls data visualization using Tableau. You don't need to download Tableau. You can just go and run this kind of project and learn Tableau as a software tool. So to me, I think fundamentally how the online learning experience has to continuously evolve is provide this ability to kind of build this hands-on experience. So being able to showcase that they can actually do the job, but it's also about building the confidence, you know, that they can actually do this job as well. And how do you actually build in the, the hands-on learning component? It's a side-by-side -side learning experience. As a learner, when you get into a guided project, you are actually in your browser, but we, are, we kind of provide a full virtual machine, right? A virtual desktop in the cloud that has the software pre-installed. The person that created the guided project, the author, essentially records themselves. Going back to the example, data visualization using Tableau, they they'll take a data problem, they'll want to do a visualization, they'll actually record themselves step-by-step. Step. So that appears on the right side. And for a learner, they're just following the instructions on the right and they go step-by-step. Step. That would work great for me. And then in between, you know, in between, yeah, in between what we have, you know, we introduced the notion of challenge tasks where the author can actually create a challenge task to challenge the individual with certain missing information or a task that they need to complete by themselves. And so that's how, you know, you practice but then also you can learn to apply and build the confidence and actually build a portfolio for yourself. Do you believe that everyone should be spending some amount of their work week on a platform like Coursera? And if so, how much time? You know, that's a great question. I, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, we just talked about 40% of your skills that you have today are going to get outdated in about four years. Right? <laughs> and so you will become outdated if you don't invest in yourself to continuously learn, change, and grow. So the question around then, like how much time do I need to spend? I think a lot of that depends on where you are in your career and kind of what point of career situation you are in. For example, if you are a switcher and you want to really go after a digital career and you don't have any familiarity with the sort of these digital careers, you will likely have to spend a lot more time to kind of just making sure you understand that's the right career for me and making sure you're learning from the best and you know, most valuable source and learning in a way that you're actually getting the certificates and credentials. Because what's important is you will want to take those for employment opportunities. I'm just curious, does Coursera allow you to spend a part of your work week learning on Coursera? <laughs> that's a great question. You, all the people that work at Coursera, not just you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We absolutely, we have a big push for what do we call as a skill up inside Coursera. And so what we have done, each of our functional leaders have designed what we like each of our teams. Like, so I think of it as product management. So I kind of looked at like, okay, what are the core skills of the product management? We, we have our rubrics, we map the rubrics into, because we also have like the skills graph that connects skills to content. And so we basically said like, for this job role, these are the skills, which means maps to this content. And so I'm recommending as the chief product officer for my team, these are the courses that I want to have my team take up. 
but you know that's that's just part of it but i also have we also have individual career growth plans for people that essentially they kind of create their own versions of like where do they want to be in their lives and so a combination of these two things is something i think we invest heavily in so you've got the inside scoop can you tell us what are some of the more popular courses on coursera that maybe changers are doing maybe that we <laughs> should be looking at <laughs> most certainly most certainly, I mean, I don't think it is going to be uh, too much of a surprise. You know, the demand is in business technology and data science because these are career relevant skills. And so, the top courses from the first half of this year is data, data everywhere is from Google, Foundations of Project Management, Machine Learning from Stanford, Science of Wellbeing continues to be one of the most popular courses. I think in this age and day where we're all like stressed out in lots of different ways. You know, the mental health and well-being is one of the prominent things for each of us. So I'm not surprised Science of Well-Being continues to be a popular course. Learning how to learn. I mean, this is, I love this course. It just teaches you how to learn. <laughs> and talking about the need to continuously learn, I think everybody will appreciate, like, the kind of just refreshing going back to your school days. Like, how did you learn? And if you go through this course, it's, it's, you know, it's a great way to kind of refresh yourself. It reminds me of a book I just bought called How to Read a Book. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all filled with strategies around how to maximize reading efficiency and how to get the most out of it. Yeah, yeah. We love to talk about how things are built, and I'd love if you could share a little bit about how your product team is structured, how you work, and ultimately what I want to get out of this is how does a product or feature go from idea stage to shipped? So I look at it as, you know, when I, when I think about the product, the accountability and responsibility for the product team, number one is to delight customers. Number two is to drive results, both for the customers and for the company. And number three is to actually create products and services and solutions that create a lot of these competitive advantages. So we want to go to market with uniquely differentiated offerings that solve a real customer need and a problem and create business value. And to address your question about like idea to getting shipped is we have designed a system in a process called product market fit. It's based on lean product philosophy. And we have built a playbook, which has six piece in it. And I'll just describe very quickly. Yeah, walk me through it. Six piece, right? Persona, it starts with a persona. Who is your customer? Second is the problem. Like what problem is this customer in need of, and it's like the highest level of pain, right? And proposition. So if we solve the problem, what is our unique value proposition? The fourth P is the product, which is like, how are we actually solving this problem? And the fifth is positioning. So how do we actually then tell the story to the customer? And how are we positioning against our competitors or against the pain points that the customer has? And lastly, the sixth P is the promotion, which is the go-to-market side of the equation. So the way this works is think of it as a 6P hexagon and they're interlinked. And the way we have designed the, uh, the system and the process is you don't serialize this. You actually think of 6Ps in cohesion and you need to have hypotheses across all 6Ps when you actually start the idea. And so what we're doing is like for some of these big ideas, we actually have the product manager and the designer and the researcher and maybe a product marketer they actually go to the field and they're pitching it to the customers and they're really kind of thinking about all these six Ps. And so that's where we can think of it as like nail it and then scale it. So 
fundamentally, you know, the idea is feature enhancements. It just happens through product, you know, traditional product development process. But it's where we are actually thinking about bigger opportunities, where we need to double down, where we have big growth opportunities. That's where I can we apply the product market fit process. And the team is essentially structured. You know, it's classic structure: product management, design, research, data, and strategy. They all kind of work together with engineering and go through a PDP lifecycle. You talked about in product design how you want to build a new feature versus improve upon an existing feature, and how you want to be different, but also there's probably some pull to to have a, a certain standard of a feature. How do you think about how much of your features should be, hey, we need to have this because a competitor has this versus, hey, we need to be different. Yeah. How do you balance that? Table stakes versus differentiation, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're using the Jeffrey Moore's core versus context framework. I don't want to reinvent things. I think there are some great models in the world that exist. I think the question is like, how do you actually bring them to your company and how do you kind of articulate a system and a framework that we can use? And this Core versus context framework is basically think of it as a two by two. It's core and context. And then it has mission critical and enabling on the y-axis. Think of it as core versus context on the x-axis. And the thing which is mission critical is if it fails, we fail. And mission critical core is where your current business and business growth is. So you already established product market fit, the products that are growing and they're growing and scaling, et cetera. And then you think of it enabling and core are your experiments, sort of the future optional bets. And the context is basically everything else. It's table stakes, it's not critical for your business or et cetera, right? So then you have to think about it's like I'm optimizing investment. I need to minimize my investment on the context and need to increase my investment in the core. That's where opportunity is. And there are a number of ways that you can think of decreasing investment, which is one is just like, you can essentially think of like a really hard cut at table stakes, like what is the core minimum things that we have to build? Or maybe just go partner. We're a platform. We're always looking for opportunities to kind of plug and play. So we, do we have to build or someone else? You know, we just take off the shelf in essence. You can also make sure like you can operate it with a lower cost location. Like, so if you have remote workforces, you can make sure like, you know, your pods are from a lower location. That, that doesn't mean they're not working on strategic things, but it also means that we're operating efficiently across the board, right? So there are a number of different ways to do this. And a lot of it comes down to a little bit of an art and a science. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. I'm going to look into that framework a little more. I want to talk about TikTok. Yes. It's becoming a platform for learning. It's huge. I know you just launched something called Clips. Yes. Can you just talk to us a little bit about TikTok and clips and short form learning and where you think this is all going? I was actually with my son, who was 15 years old. A couple of weeks ago, he was doing a little bit of a presentation to someone. And then this topic came up, which is like this Generation Z. He said, like, they have six second attention span. I'm like, seriously, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah. And he said to me, no, this is serious. Uh, Dad, like, if you don't grab my attention in six seconds, I'm gone from that. I'm like, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, both for the future generation. But I think as I think of it, I was like, hey, what are the implications for some company like Coursera as such? I mean, it's a, a powerful lesson in how you communicate where you need to you need to drop value right away. And if you've seen a TikTok, right, it always starts with like, this is going to change your life. And then there's always something that goes, but make sure you watch till the end because there's something else that's going to change your life. Something else is going to change, right? So 
from a learning modality standpoint, the bite-sized or micro learning is something I think that's fast emerging. And if you want to actually transform your life, those bites have to add up to something big. <laughs> the bite itself cannot get you to the next job. Clips is essentially for short-form learning. We have over 10,000 uh, plus bite-sized videos and lessons. We're going to expand that to over 200,000 soon. Especially useful, as I think about today, is for the enterprise learners because they're like busy and they have limited time to learn. We're basically extracting from these courses, which tend to be 10 hours, into 10-minute chunks of learning that comes out of these courses into bite-sized. At the same time, they're mapped, continuously mapped to skills and skills development. And so the feedback for both the learner and for the sort of the, the L&D or the learning and development person inside these organizations is that are your employees continuously developing skills in the direction that the company needs them to? Now, the other point I made, each learning product in Coursera can also be consumed in modular. You know, course videos, assessments, the readings, they're all kind of, you know, tied into the course. And the last but not least, I'll talk about stackability. Think of it as like try before you buy or commit for a longer duration of learning. Like when I did my master's, I was like, I want to do an MBA. There was no trying before I buy it. I just have to go to the MBA. Take a leap of faith. Right. Or if I want to be a master's in computer science, I had to do this. So with stackability, essentially, you start with a, uh, for example, like a smaller chunk, which is one of these professional certificates. So Google IT support professional certificate. You start with that and you're like, oh, I, can, I love this IT entry level job you know, careers, but now I like this IT field. I want to become a software engineer. So then I want to go get like deeper learning and that's a bachelor's in computer science. So what we have on Coursera, for example, 30% over roughly 30% of learners in the University of London bachelor's computer science degree also took a Google IT support professional certificate and they get credit towards that degree. And so you kind of incrementally build and advance towards your sort of the degree uh, goal as well. I've been fascinated by this idea of how we can maximize these two minutes we have in between tasks. I think a lot of people, myself included, we need a mental break. We sit down, we pull out the phone and you know, the worst case, we doom scroll or we check in on social media or read a news click. Um, in a better case, sometimes we do, we learn a language on Duolingo um, right. or we learn some a skill on TikTok. So I'm, I'm fascinated with how we can take these two minutes and actually turn them into productive minutes of time and stacking. You know, it sounds like an interesting approach to solving that problem. That sounds like a conversation I, I keep having with my son. <laughs> yeah, make it easy. Exactly. What about the metaverse and, and virtual reality in general? You talked about experiential learning. Is this something you're looking at now or is it too soon? How do you think about that? It's getting there and I think it's got it's got a long ways to go. And one of the examples I would point out is University of Michigan has this extended reality lab and they are kind of making this virtual augmented reality accessible to anyone. That's the technology that they're developing in a way so you don't need a headset. And that's the real barrier to entry into this experiential learning, right? So I'm really excited about the work that University of Michigan is doing. And they're actually building content on Coursera to launch, I think, some, I can't recall the number of courses, but they're going to launch a number of courses that will integrate this XR and that will create those immersive learning experiences. 
Another exciting thing is we're actually uh, working with Meta and we're getting ready to launch a Metaverse course in the next couple months. And that could be an interesting way to think about how do we learn about Metaverse and how to create it as well, and then how you bring that into an integrated learning experiences. So I think, you know, the future is yet to come. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really curious. I'm also watching a lot of the companies that are working on augmented reality glasses. I don't know if anyone's working on this, but contact lenses, things that are going to make it easier to then incorporate a virtual world or an augmented reality into that. I mean, the key thing, Andrew, is I think when I think about the online learning is here to stay and accelerated. Online learning is a way actually we create universal access to learning. And so by getting a lot of those things that were restricted to in a physical space and a classroom environment, but opening it up into the digital and virtual environments, we're just going to create so much more opportunity for so many more individuals. And I just want to ask, because we are talking about you know, IT and tech-specific jobs, and I know there's high demand. I'm sure you saw this at DICE as well. But as you're trying to build the future here, how are you thinking about where you're getting people that are ready to contribute to the job now for how are your thoughts change in terms of how to build up your team, how to build up your workforce so that you can go ahead and tackle these problems? Clearly, this combination of the need for emerging skills and online learning as a way to kind of enable anybody to get those skills with the idea that remote employment is something that everybody is embracing. And so this combination is going to create an opportunity for companies to invest in their in their workforces, no matter where they are. It's a lot more essential for companies to invest in their workforce to retrain them into the jobs of the future. But a lot of it is tied to what jobs are emerging in these companies in the future. And they want to train these people to be ready for those jobs. Instead of like firing them and then hiring from outside. By the way, if you even if you want to hire from outside, the supply doesn't exist out in the world in these emerging skills. And so it has become essential for a lot of these companies to actually create the supply internally. So we call it internal mobility. And I think that's a big emerging space. We've had a lot of success essentially retraining people on the concept that everyone should be learning at all times. And if you want to learn something new, you're going to find a way to do that. So it's much better to support that. Uh, as opposed to create barriers. So nice to hear you say that, that it works on a larger scale as well. Yes. I'm going to ask one more question that we ask all our guests, and I want you to think big and ambitious. <laughs> think about competitive landscape. Think about possibility. Why is Coursera the next great thing? For me, everything starts with our mission and you know what that mission means to us. I think what is happening over the last two years, talent is equally distributed around the world, but the opportunity is not. And Coursera, our mission is to kind of create opportunity for anyone anywhere in the world to be able to transform their lives through learning at a massive global scale. And that's what we're going after. That sounds like a wonderful thing to be working on. This has been such an interesting conversation. I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have too. You might need to teach a course on Coursera about this. Thanks again for joining me. uh, And I can't wait to see what you and Coursera do next. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. The Next Great Thing is hosted by Andrew Greenstein, CEO of SF AppWorks, a technical agency that helps organizations and entrepreneurs design, develop, launch, and maintain web apps, mobile apps, and platform integrations. The podcast is produced by Kristen Sills, with marketing by Leah Roos. 
For more episodes, search for The Next Great Thing wherever you listen to podcasts or check us out at sfappworks.com.